0: Trust your Bibles are prepared. We're in the book of Haggai chapter 1, Haggai chapter 1, and I'll be reading this chapter, verses 1 to 15, Haggai chapter 1, and verse number 1. The Bible says, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways, Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts: Consider your ways. Go up to the mountain, and bring wood, and build a house. And I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, said the Lord. He looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when he brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why? said the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste. And he run every man unto his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai, the prophet... and. As the Lord their God had sent them, and the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, said the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts their God in the four-and-twentieth day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your blessings. We thank you for the wonderful privilege we have to worship you today. And I pray dear Lord, as we gather around your word that you would use it in a mighty way to speak to each and every heart. You'll give me the words you'll have me to say for this occasion. And that you take away from my thoughts that which you would not have me say. Cleanse me of sin. Empty me of self. <clears throat> Fill me with the precious Holy Spirit. That I may preach thus saith the Lord. For that some lost soul will be saved. Stir the hearts of every believer. And will give you all the honor and glory that is through your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. Well-known celebrity and psychologist, Dr. Phil, on his television and radio shows, he has a question that he poses to his patients or guests as they describe to him their problematic situations and provide the approach to handling their problem. And that question is, how is that working for you? The question is intended to bring about self-realization by the one experiencing the problem of what is not working and then what needs to be done to change the situation. In the book of Habakkuk, God, through the prophet by the same name, speaks to the nation of Israel and presents a similar proposition to them. You see, God's people, the nation of Israel, they had neglected God and the things of God to their own detriment. And now God says to them in chapter 1, consider your ways. In other words, he was saying to them, you have found yourself in a bad place. It's a bad place that's due to your own actions. In other words, how's that working for you? But God, my friend, is not taunting his people, but rather he wants them to make an intelligent, a logical, and a spiritual choice. As you and I, we look around at our world today, there is no doubt, there is no question, there is no debate that our world is in a mess. But so much of what is happening, my friend, is the result of mankind's neglect of a holy God. And God is saying, just as he said to his people in the book of Haggai, he's saying to all mankind in 2020 to consider your ways. I want to preach a message this morning entitled, Consider Your Ways. Now, notice with me initially what led to this request by Almighty God. Jot down with me if you're taking notes that they had, first of all, they had abandoned God's program. Now look with me at verse number two. Look at what God says to them. He says, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, this people say. The time is not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. Now, just to give you a little background, To God's statement, God's people had left Babylon. They were in Babylonian captivity for 70 years. And they had gotten back to their homeland as God had already prophesied that they would after 70 years had expired. And they had started the rebuilding effort under the leadership of Ezra. You can see this in Ezra chapter 3 and verse number 10. So they had started well. Ezra had helped them get there. They had started. And Ezra, along with Nehemiah, of course. But something interesting happened. By way of a decree of the king of Persia, the work had to cease. There was opposition to their efforts. Make no mistake. When you attempt to do the work of God, you will encounter opposition this opposition came by way of a decree a law and so in obedience to the law which they had to do the work ceased and so they had what we would call and consider good reason to justify the work being put on hold so they had lots of prohibitions But notice with me what took place while they were on pause. They lost their passion. They got comfortable with the excuse of not being able to be engaged. And even after the decree had been lifted, even after they had now the the free will to continue where they had left, off, the work of God sadly did not resume. They had lost their passion to build. My friend, a very similar parallel is taking place in our world today. Over the past two years plus, we have seen this unprecedented period in our history resulting from this pandemic. We have been subjected to rules, regulations, that have limited our ability to worship God in the way that we would have been hitherto accustomed to. Laws that mandate that you cannot meet in your sanctuary. Laws that restrict the number of people who can meet when you do gather. Laws and regulations that require you to social distance. To sanitize, to wear masks, to have temperature checks, and such like. We are too accustomed to these regulations. But now we are at a place where thankfully restrictions are being relaxed. Let the church say, We are, by the grace of God and by the help of God, getting back to some sense of normalcy. But my friend, just as in the days of Haggai, as we are getting back to normalcy, if we pay close attention, sadly, you would recognize that believers seem to have lost their passion. They're stuck in limbo. Many seem to be happy to use the excuse of, Pastor, I can't come to church. You haven't heard? COVID is still a thing. COVID has become the reason why many cannot be engaged in ministry, be re-engaged in sharing the gospel, Reengage, inviting people to church. COVID has become a reason as to why I can't sing and worship the Lord. I fear that many might be hiding behind the mask. Could it be that collectively as believers, as children of God, that we are being lulled into apathy about the work of God and worship to God? By the way, this is not an indictment to those of you who are wearing masks. I'm just saying. Let it not be that we lose our passion for the things of God and and the work of God. And I'm very sensitive to the fact that where we are as a people here in St. Kitts and Nevis, my friend, it's not the same in every part of the world. And pastors are in a quandary seeking to make decisions as to what's appropriate and what's right and what's the best decision to be safe and at the same time continue the work of God. And so I I preach this message with a level of uh, consideration and sensitivity about the fact that we are dealing with a very traumatic crisis that has turned our world upside down. But at the same time, I'm saying to us as believers, let's not lose our passion for the things of God and for the work of God. My friend, we have seen this up front and firsthand with all of the, the online services, and uh, 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 many people uh, have been lulled to sleep uh, physically and spiritually while on Zoom. Hiding behind the screen, but they've lost their passion. They've turned off the microphone, they've turned off the camera but they've also turned off the passion. God's people had abandoned God's program. It's understood that there were lots of prohibitions, but uh, those prohibitions had led to a loss of passion. And as a result, when it came to the work of God and the building effort that should have been ongoing, they had lowered its priority. many believers have lowered the priority of the work of God and even by way of being present it seems to be going through the motion you know how I know that many have lowered the priority because if something comes up the work of God is the first thing to go Why? It's already considered passionless activity. So it's the first thing that gets pushed off of the plate. My friend, let me caution us that we must be mindful of how the devil functions. He does not play fear. He is slick. He is sly. He seeks to devour And the devil, he's a little GOD of this world, and he uses the world's trends to negatively impact the work of God and to lull God's people to sleep. Let me give you an illustration of how he does this. We live in a day and age of things being, as we would say, on demand. And on-demand is seen as a good thing. I'm a believer of technology. I'm a user of technology. I'm a lover of technology. Many conveniences, many advantages. And I embrace so much of it. But in the advent of, for example, cable television, years ago, If you wanted to look at your favorite show, what would you do? You get the TV guide. You ensure you know exactly what time that show is going to start. And you clear out your schedule. You do whatever you need to do to ensure that when that television program starts at 7 p.m., you are seated on the sofa with your remote and your favorite snack and your popcorn and your drink and whatever, so you're going to enjoy your favorite show from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. But now that we live in the day and age of on-demand TV, who needs to do that? I got Netflix. I got Hulu. I got my DVR, my digital video recorder, and you record it and watch it on demand. Sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? As a matter of fact, it is so convenient. Who needs commercials? Just to fast forward all of that stuff. I don't need to wait there for the commercial to be done. Any of you done that? That's the benefit. Commercial-free TV it's convenient, it's on demand, it's wonderful. But mind you, here's how the devil is so slick. We love on-demand TV. We love on-demand radio. We watch it online when it's archived. We do all these things. But here's how he's so slick. He's gotten us to figure, you know what? I got on-demand TV. I got on-demand radio. I got on-demand whatever I want. Let's get on-demand church. That's what he does. He says to us, you don't need to be in church. After all, You got church on demand. As a matter of fact, even if church is online, you don't even need to be online when it is. Just wait until it is archived and uploaded to YouTube, to the church's website, to sermon audio. And guess what? Watch it whenever you feel like. As a matter of fact, you could even fast forward a past that you don't even want to hear. As a matter of fact, if the message is boring, you could just decide, oh well, let me not bother. The devil, that's how he does it. That's what he is doing. Lower priority. He takes the situations of our world to get us off track. And here's what else he does. He gets God's people to say, we're going to get back to normal later. Here's what we do. He gets us to love this thing called procrastination. Look at that verse again with me. In verse number two. Here's the people say, what? What? The time is not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. Hey, man, COVID is not done yet. Man, you know here they got how many ever variants coming? We can't get back to what we used to do yet. Listen, I I got my concerns. I, I got my fears. I got my prohibitions. Listen, slow down. The time is not come. What's the rush? Meanwhile, people are not only dying of COVID, but people are dying and going to a devil's hell. God says to his people, You have abandoned my program. But here's what God says to his people as well. He says, I need you to assess your performance. Verse number five, he says, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. He's saying to them, look closely at what you are doing and see how it is working out for you. See what results it has produced. Now, He chronicles it for them. He says, Listen, let me jog your memory just in case you need my help. He says, Assess your performance and notice if, first of all, you don't have increased work but decreased worth. He says, May you're working hard, but you're coming in with less. He says, Verse number six, ye have sown much, but bring in little. I mean, you got not just two jobs, but you got three jobs. You got four jobs. You got five jobs. And it still looks like you're making less than when you had one job. Man, we live in a hustling society. A hustling world. I mean, everybody is hustling. And the reason why we are stuck in this cycle is because the more we hustle, it seems like the more we need to hustle. Because if you hustle and you don't see positive results, instinctively, what do you figure you need to do? But I got to hustle some more. So we're hustling and it's not working. And then we hustle some more and then we hustle and hustle and hustle and hustle. Increased work but decreased work worth rather. Parents are too busy to parent their children. I ain't got no time to sit down at the table and talk to you about your day at school. Ain't got no time to sit down and help you with your homework. I have no time to figure out what issues you're dealing with, with your peers at school. Got no time to raise infant babies. So I got to drop them off at the daycare. I mean, we just don't have time. I'm not talking down to anybody who has to unfortunately be in that situation but we have no time to raise these children and then as they grow up and they end up in deviant behavior and then they're menaced to societies. and they end up in prison they end up in trouble they become a cost to society and to us instead of an asset and the cycle continues my son this past week made a a sad revelation that he interacts with so many peers at school whose fathers are in prison that tells me that there is a mother who is struggling to make ends meet. Forced into two and three jobs and still it's not adding up. Increased work but decreased worth. But notice he says to them as well, You got increased consumption, but decreased contentment. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. I mean, we have more stuff than ever before, but it's never ever enough we got more of everything. More food. More variety. More clothes. More shoes. More everything. And we got children waking up in the morning and selecting the options that they need for their meals throughout the day. I mean, when I was growing up, listen, there was no menu. And if you wanted to create one, it didn't make any sense because that was all there was. So there was no choice. So why create the menu? I mean, we got children in home homes, I mean, so privileged. I mean, each meal is cooked to order. But we still don't have enough. We got more cars. I mean, I just heard yesterday. I mean, a conversation on on, on a talk show. I mean, or I think it was during a, a, I guess a press conference talking about the fact that we got so much cars coming in our country. I mean, we can't even find parking. More cars. We got more space in our homes. Children more than. Ever before got their own room. But people still are not happy. Increased consumption, decreased contentment. God says, assess your performance. You got increased rela- riches, but decreased relationships. He says, he clothed you, but there is none warm." The riches are not providing happiness. The stuff is producing more and more emptiness. It's leading people to loneliness and hopelessness. My friend, warmth does not come from having the latest fur coat, the latest outfit. Warmth comes from having good relationships with people. Healthy relationships with your spouse. Healthy relationships with your children. Healthy relationships with your family. God says you're clothing yourself. I mean, you got the latest stuff, but you're cold and alone. Why? Because you don't mess with people. I ain't got time for that. There none non-warm. People fight and claw over land and property and alienate their family. And then they have the latest and finest clothing, but they end up feeling cold, alone, and empty. Listen, before that happens, give up the land. Give up the property. Let's live at peace as brethren. Increased riches, decreased relationships. God says assess your performance. You got increased loot, but you got increased losses. He that earneth wages earn it wages to put it into a bag with holes. God says, man, boy, you're making a lot of money. It's coming in fast and it's going out faster. My friend, this is where we are. Celebrate their million dollar investments on the stock market. I mean, the stock went up overnight, and all of a sudden, they're a millionaire. And the next week, it went down twice as fast. Now they're a God says, Assess your performance. But well, you know what? God is saying to consider our ways because he's about to show us, as he was about to show the people of Israel, that your dilemma is linked to the fact that you have abandoned my program. Because here's what he says in verses 8-11 to 11, and jot this down. God says listen with all your efforts that are coming to naught I want you to understand this you need my friend my people, my children to be aware of my position. Look at what he says first of all regarding his position my friend God wants us to understand that he Is and will always be preeminent. Verse number eight, he says, I will be glorified, set the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. My friend, that is Yahweh. That's the self-sufficient one. He's saying, understand that I am the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And here's what he's saying. You will not dishonor me and it be okay with me. God is saying to each and every one of us, I matter. God is saying to us, God matters. How God views our service to Him matters. Now, I could only speak about when I was going to school. Okay? When I was going to school, and those who went to school in my time, you can attest to this. That when the principal stepped around the corner and started walking down the corridor, it made a difference what you are doing. You found yourself where you ought to have been. You'll find your place in your class doing what you're supposed to do because the principle has shown up. Yeah. When he or she was watching, you were mindful. My friend, when it comes to God being aware of his position, the fact that he is preeminent, what is our mindset when we claim that we are serving God? What is our mindset when we claim that we are worshipping God? When we choose to do it half-heartedly, what are we saying to God? What are we saying to God when we are aware of the fact that He is watching? If we know that he's watching and we do it any old way, what are we saying to him? You know what we are saying to him? God, you don't matter. My friend, that's a scary thing to say to God. God is saying to his people, I'm preeminent. Here's what else he's saying to his people. I'm powerful. Look at verse number nine. He says, he looked for much and lo, it came to little. When he brought it home, I did what? Blow upon it. God says, all this stuff you're trying to accumulate at the expense of my work Do you understand that all I need to do as the God of the universe is As a matter of fact, that was too hard. All I need to do is to blow on it and it is gone. Whatever you build, it takes very little for me to bring it to naught. Listen, if we never knew this before COVID, we ought to know it now. I just need to create a little, small, tiny, microscopic virus to bring the entire world to its collective knees. And all your plans are out the window. You can build your tall skyscrapers thousands of feet in the air. All I need to do is just let the ground shake a little bit and bring it all crumbling down. All your robust economy needs is just a little hurricane and all of a sudden everything is chaotic. God says, I am powerful I am preeminent. But he also says, I am, do you understand, a provider. Look at verse number 10. He says, whatever I, you have, I provided it to you. All that you have comes from me. He says verse number 10, therefore the heaven over you is stayed from you. And the earth is stayed from her fruit. He says, what comes from above as the rain, understand it came from me. He says, what came from below in the ground came from me. Look at verse number 11. And I called for a drought upon the land and upon the mountains and upon the corn and upon the new wine and upon the what? Oil. Where does that come from? He says, I provide not just what came from above there. I provide what came from under there. I provide the fruit from your trees. Upon that which the ground bringeth forth. And upon men and upon cattle. The fruit of your labor comes from me. And your effort from your labor comes from me as well. My friend, if you acquire all the degrees, you couldn't do it without God giving you the breath. You couldn't do it without God giving you the ability to think and to work. You got a promotion. It came ultimately from God. You have gifts and talents that you utilize to provide a service to allow you to earn. My friend, those gifts came from God. God said, be aware of my position. And then he says to them, as a result of this awareness, make an adjustment to your priorities. Look at verse number eight. He says, first of all, understand that if my work is going to take priority, it requires action. He says, go up to the Mountain, my friend. If we're going to be involved in the work of God, you know we're not going to be able to just sit down and find everything at our fingertips. He says, "Go up to the mountain." If we're going to have to climb over some rough terrain. We're simply are going to have to work. The work of God is just that. It is the what? Work of God. It's work. Things don't just happen. To minister to people requires work. To exercise your gift requires work. To be in a choir requires work. To study and preach the word of God requires work. To visit the sick requires work. To share the gospel requires work. To have a conference requires work. My friend, get used to the fact that it all requires some effort and some work. I'm flabbergasted and amazed that people somehow think that pastors don't work. Uh-huh. <laughs> not, 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 well, not the people in this church. They know that the pastor works. Amen. They know that the pastor works hard. Amen. But we're talking not about we're talking about Others out there. (laughs) It's the work of God. It requires action. But here's the good news, my friend the resources are available. Look at what it says go up into the mountain and do what? Bring wood. No, you might have just passed over those words. But you know why it says to bring wood? Because the wood was there. He didn't say go up into the mountain and make wood. It says go up into the mountain and bring wood. I've provided it. It is there. Go up to the mountain and get it. Amen. My friend, if we are going to be successful in the work of God, we have to recognize that God has made the resources available. but you have to be a go-getter. Then he says, resume my agenda. Go up into the mountain, bring the wood, and do what? Build the house. When you bring the resources, use them to do what you have abandoned. Build my house. It's been my priority all along. Now it's time to make it yours. Let's get busy about the master's business. God is saying to us, build a house. And then finally, God says to his people, if you adjust your priorities, here's the good news. You will appreciate my presence. Look at verse 13, and I close with this. Then the Lord spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying... I am with you, said the Lord. Notice he said that after the people's response, the people's positive response in verse number 12, to fear before the Lord, uh, uh, God stirred up the spirit of the people. My friend, when God gets a hold of hearts to be passionate about his work, we will see great things accomplished. Because his presence is in the midst. His power would be moving. And the job will be accomplished. Verse number 14 says, And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts their God. Make no mistake. We can't accomplish anything without God. We can't accomplish anything without his presence. We can't accomplish anything without his power. We can't accomplish anything without his smile of approval. But when we have it, because we've prioritized his work, we will be overwhelmed by the joy of his presence being with us. And here's the great thing about having God's presence moving and working in among us. With God All things are possible God is saying to us As he did Children of Israel Consider your ways. Examine How is it working for us Are things getting better With an approach to abandon God And his work Consider your ways. And let's see God do great things for us. And then we'll be able to select the psalmist. God hath done great things for us, and whereof we are glad.